Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Live from my home studio deep in captivity in Los Angeles, this is Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. Even under house arrest, I never stand down from my podcast watch, providing you weekly entertainment. And this week, well, this week I call it the top five and 25 categories. A couple of weeks ago, remember, I gave you suggestions for movies to see while you too are under self-quarantine. And a number of listeners wrote me and said, so what are your like top 10 favorite movies? What are your five favorite movies? And I thought, you know what? Maybe I can make a whole show of my favorites in all kinds of categories. Movies, television, radio, sportscasters, restaurants, you name it. And so that's what I put together this week in 25 categories. These are my top five. And I'm going to start with five and work my way up to number one. And I'm not going to leave you in any kind of real suspense. I'm going to start right off with movies. My number five favorite movie of all time is called His Girl Friday. And it is a comedy with Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. It's one of those screwball black and white comedies, and the dialogue goes so fast, and it is so funny, and they have such great chemistry, and, oh my God, Cary Grant was at his best. Number four, The Godfather. Now, there are some movies that when you see them on TV, you just have to stay with them. No matter what point you entered the movie, you are with it for the remainder. And that is the case with The Godfather. I can see that movie over and over again. Number three, American Graffiti, 1973, a movie that was directed by George Lucas, and it just struck a chord with me. Great music, great performances, heartfelt, very touching. Richard Dreyfuss was great in this movie. Harrison Ford was in it. Ronnie Howard, American Graffiti. Number two, Casablanca. Classic from 1942. I mean, this movie is a near-perfect film. 
in terms of drama, romance, even comedy. It is a great, great movie. And number one is a movie from the 50s, and it's a three-hour-plus movie, and it's called The Bridge on the River Kwai. And it was directed by David Lean, and it is a remarkable movie about prisoners of war, and they have to build a bridge for their captors, and they do it. And I just can't impress upon you enough how great this movie is, The Bridge on the River Kwai. Okay, now, my favorite movie comedies, other than my all-time top five, because otherwise I'm just listing the same movies over and over again. Okay, number five, The Heartbreak Kid. I've talked about this a number of times. Jewish guys love it. Jewish girls hate it. Charles Grodin, directed by Elaine May. Very, very funny. Arthur, Steve Gordon wrote and directed it. Um, Sadly passed away the following year. He was like 41 years old. Great movie, The Lady Eve, number three. And that was a Preston Sturgis movie with Henry Fonda and uh, Barbara Stanwyck. One of those movies I can see over and over again. I had to have a Mel Brooks movie in there. And so number two, it was a tough one between the producers, Blazing Saddles, and the one they finally selected, and that was Young Frankenstein. Because all of his movies made me laugh. This one pulverized me. So I would say number two all time for me is Young Frankenstein. And number one, it's... Probably an odd choice. You're going to scratch your head. But it is Play It Again, Sam. This was a movie starring Woody Allen. And forget, you know, the personal side of Woody Allen for a minute. Starred Woody Allen. He did not direct the movie. Herbert Ross directed it. And it was from a play that he wrote. And because Herbert Ross directed it and because it was from a play and the script was really worked over and over again, not like the other movies that he's dashed off for the last 40, 50 years, but it is really great, really funny, and there are a couple of scenes there that just kill me. So those are my favorite movie comedies, favorite action movies. Number five, Star Wars, the original one. Because when I first saw this movie going to the AFCO Theater in 1977, I was a disc jockey part-time at 10Q in Los Angeles, and we had a promotion for tickets for a preview of this here movie called Star Wars, and I knew nothing about it, and sat down with a full theater. Boy, remember the days when you could have full movie theaters? Anyway, full theater of listener winners and star wars comes up and i'm telling you two minutes into the movie i'm going yeah (laughs) yeah i am all in totally love that movie and i also love the fact that i knew nothing about it at the time number four superman 2 now this is one of the christopher reeves movies but this one really held together And this one had uh, Zod and some of the other superheroes 
coming out of exile to battle Superman. It was very clever and it was very well done. Love that movie. Number three, Taking of Pelham 123. You may go, what? What is that? It's a 1973 movie and it starred that great action hero, Walter Matthau. And it is about some terrorists who try to hijack a subway car in the New York subway system. It's a brilliant movie. You're scratching your head going, well, wait a minute. You know, it's not like they can take that to Cuba. What are they going to do with a subway car? It's a fascinating movie, The Taking of Pelham 123. Number two, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Love that movie. Great, great action film. Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones. It was the first Indiana Jones movie directed by Steven Spielberg. Just a great roller coaster ride. And number one, I'm going to go back to 1939. That's right, 1939, and a movie called Gunga Din. And it was set in India, and it stars Cary Grant. And it is an amazing action movie that's also a buddy comedy because there's a lot of comedy in the movie. But it's one of those films, if you've never seen it, directed by George Stevens, if you've never seen it, treat yourself to Gunga Din. Okay, my favorite dramatic movies. Number five, got to go with Pulp Fiction. First time I saw Pulp Fiction, I was just gobsmacked. Like, wow, what is this? And the story bouncing around and so many great scenes. I love Pulp Fiction. Thank you, Quentin Tarantino. Number four, Network, a movie from the late 70s, written by a true visionary, Patty Chayefsky. Supposed to be a satire on television, and we have so lapped it in bizarreness, but that's a movie with absolutely spectacular dialogue. You got to see Network. Number three, a movie from the 60s called HUD. And this starred Paul Newman. And he was a giant asshole in this movie, but so riveting. HUD, number three. Number two, Sunset Boulevard, written and directed by Billy Wilder and starring William Holden, who also starred in Bridge on the River Kwai, and uh, Gloria Swanson. It's an eerie movie, but it's haunting. It's amazing from 1950. And number one is a movie from the early 60s you may not have heard of called The Hustler. And The Hustler was a movie about pool sharks, And it starred a young Paul Newman and George C. Scott, who was really scary, and in a dramatic role, and he was amazing in it, Jackie Gleason. So The Hustler, my number one all-time favorite dramatic movie. Moving on to Broadway musicals. My number five favorite is Promises, Promises. This was from the late 60s, and it was an adaptation of the Billy Wilder movie, The Apartment. The music was by Burt Bacharach and Hal David. Great songs, 
other than Turkey Lurkey, which is one of the worst songs of all time. But it was adapted, the book was adapted by Neil Simon. Great, great laughs. Love that thing. Jersey Boys, number four, story of the Four Seasons. And uh, Marshall Brickman did the book on that one. Number three, Book of Mormon. Some people don't like this one. I thought it was absolutely hilarious, done by the South Park guys. Number two, Chorus Line. I love the music in Chorus Line, and I also loved how inventive it was. It was a Michael Bennett production, but it was very different from the usual musicals where there is a story and then they just stop and sing a song. Kind of like my number one all-time favorite musical, which goes back to like 1959, and that is My Fair Lady. Uh, Love the music. Unbelievable songs by Lerner and Lowe. And uh, I saw another version of it back in the days when you could go to crowded theaters. And this was a a brilliant production with Laura Benante. They kind of changed it and made it a little more Me Too, which I didn't love. But still, My Fair Lady was my favorite. What about stage plays? Number five, The Man Who Came to Dinner. It's a comedy done by... Two greats, uh, writing team of George S. Kaufman and Moss Hart. Number four, The Odd Couple by Neil Simon. Neil Simon has written many great plays, many great comedies, but I think this one was his masterpiece, The Odd Couple. Number three, going to turn dramatic here and go with Streetcar Named Desire, Tennessee Williams uh, with Brando. See that movie? And uh, Blanche Dubois, uh, that that was riveting. Number two, Death of a Salesman. Arthur Miller wrote that. And number one, this was from the early 60s, like 1963, I think. Thousand Clowns, written by Herb Gardner. And it starred Jason Robards Jr. and Barbara Harris and a young Barry Gordon. Like I said, it was very funny, but also very touching. There is a movie, A Thousand Clowns, with pretty much the original cast, and it's pretty true to the actual play. It's worth seeing. Okay, time to get into favorite actors, movies. Robert Duvall, number five. If you ever see him in Lonesome Dove, He's he's amazing in everything, great in The Godfather. But a movie that I want you to see, and it's hard to find, but it's worth it, is The Great Santini, where he plays a martinet father, basically just torturing his kid, and he is just spellbinding in that movie. Number four, Samuel L. Jackson. Again, going back to Pulp Fiction... Pretty much anything that Samuel L. Jackson is in, this guy just commands the screen. Cary Grant. Can't have a top five list without Cary Grant. The all-time light comic actor. He was also a very good physical comedian. And he could play different roles. I mean, here he was, this very 
handsome, debonair, suave guy. And he could also play like these bumbling nerds, like in Bringing Up Baby. Very versatile. Uh, did not get the credit that he really deserved. I don't think he ever won an Oscar, but uh, Cary Grant. Number two, Paul Newman. Paul Newman has been in some of my favorite movies. I already mentioned Hustler and HUD, Cool Hand Luke, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Sting. Uh, it goes on and on. Love Paul Newman. And number one is one of the great character actors. And no matter what role he plays, he's brilliant. And he can play anything. He's just a chameleon. No matter what he plays, whether it's comedy or drama, period piece, hard action, whatever, Gene Hackman is my all-time favorite actor. Let's move over to actresses now. Number five. Mrs. Name is going to surprise you, and many of you may not have even heard of her, but Eve Arden. Go to who? Eve Arden was an actress, a comic actress, who delivered comedy lines so dry, no one ever delivered them better. And in movies in the 40s, she usually played the girlfriend, you know, the wise-cracking uh, best friend or secretary, that type of thing. And she later went on to a big career in television, and I'm going to talk about her in television as well. But Eve Arden is one of my favorites. Number four, Kate Blanchett, another actress that no matter what she does, she's brilliant. Number three is Claire Danes. Yeah, <laughs> Meryl Streep is not on this list, but Claire Danes is. I have loved her in everything she has done since my so-called life when she made her debut. Great in Homeland. She is another actress that just really disappears into the role and just becomes the character. Uh, love her. Uh, Barbara Stanwyck, old classic actress. She could play the vamp in things like Double Indemnity. She could play comedy in movies like The Lady Eve. She was interesting looking. You know, she was very beautiful, but not really. <laughs> you know, there was like something sort of charactery about her. She wasn't classic beauty in like, say, a Marilyn Monroe or a Lana Turner, Ava Gardner, something like that. But there was something a little more interesting about her as a result of that. That was number two. And number one will come as no surprise to anybody who has ever either listened to this podcast or followed my blog, Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood, enough said. Time to move on to favorite comedian. Number five, Dave Chappelle. I think he is brilliant and fearless. I love how fearless he is. Uh, number four is Elaine Boozler. Elaine Boozler not only is incredibly funny and has been incredibly funny for years and years, but she is also very much a pioneer. She is really one of the first women comedians, and she has gone on to carve a great career against all odds and she's also really, really funny. So Elaine Boozler, 
number four. Number three, John Mulaney. I just think John Mulaney is a comic genius. And I watch his specials, uh, and I'll, I'll watch him again. And I just marvel at his mind and his delivery, John Mulaney. Number two, Woody Allen. And again, put aside the personal stuff with Woody Allen. Just put aside all that baggage for a minute. Listen to his stand-up comedy albums. They are brilliant. His stories are so funny, and they build. And one incredible joke just leads to another, to another, to another. And the concepts are so interesting and so funny. Woody Allen is number two. And number one, Jack Benny. Jack Benny is my all-time favorite stand-up comedian. And this is a guy who does more with just a look, more with just staring into the sky than most comedians will do with a 20-minute set of jokes. I've never seen a comic who has had better comic timing than Jack Benny. Let's move into music now. Favorite singers. Number five, Freddie Mercury. God, what a voice that guy had. Taken from us way too, way too soon. Uh, Number four, Barbara Streisand. I mean, you can't have a list of great singers without listing Barbara Streisand, uh, even if you hated her in Yentl. Uh, Number three, Ella Fitzgerald. Silky smooth, great voice, great interpretation, jazz standards. Love her. Number two is a name you may not have heard of, and it is Linda Etter. Linda Etter, who launched her career by being like an all-time champion on Star Search back like in the 70s or 80s. And you don't know much about her because she doesn't tour all that much. But I always called her Barbara Streisand on a budget. An unbelievable voice and not the Barbara Streisand vocal gymnastic bullshit that you get. Just a pure voice, puts on a great concert, great patter, just an amazing singer. So she's number two. And number one, Sinatra. Sinatra has to be Frank Sinatra. Not Frank Sinatra Jr., just to get that straight. Not Nancy Sinatra, not Tina Sinatra, but Frank. Okay, favorite group. Number five, The Carpenters. Yeah, yeah, make fun of me, but I love Karen Carpenter's voice. Number four, The Rolling Stones. Love these guys since the 60s. And you'll love them even more if you ever see them in concert. Number three, Queen. I'm just blown away by the different musical styles and the craftsmanship. Uh, They just blow me away, like I said. Queen, number three. Number two, the Beach Boys. Hey, I'm from California. I love the California sound. I love all those harmonies. Pet Sound is an unbelievable album. God Only Knows, one of the great records in rock and roll. 
So the Beach Boys with Brian Wilson, number two and number one. Got to go with the Beatles. Hey, I'm a baby boomer. The Beatles, when you think that these guys went from she loves you, yeah, 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 to Sgt. Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour and the White Album and Abbey Road, and they just gained so much musically in like three years. It's just phenomenal. Favorite concert. Now, I'm sure there are better concerts, but there are people who I never saw. Like, I never saw um, Paul McCartney in concert, never saw the Beatles. Number five for me was Stevie Wonder. Oh, man. Stevie Wonder put on an amazing show. Number four is not a rock group. It's the Manhattan Transfer. And this is a vocal group, four singers, uh, two male and two female, and they do a variety of musical styles. They'll do jazz, they'll do doo-wop, they'll do standards, they'll do old 30s and 40s crooning styles, but they put on an amazing show. Number three is a guy who was sort of a folk singer, and he too passed away too soon. His name is Harry Chapin. Harry Chapin had a couple of big hits in the 70s, Taxi and Cats in the Cradle and uh, a few others. But he would put on a show for like three hours and great connection with the audience. Yeah, I mean, his patter was fantastic. Gotta love Harry Chapin. Like I mentioned, the Rolling Stones, if you ever get a chance to see them, even though they're 90 years old, Mick Jagger puts on one hell of a show. And then number one, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah, Bruce Springsteen puts on like a three-hour show. I've seen Bruce Springsteen numerous times. Most people who have seen Bruce Springsteen have seen him numerous times. He's just electric. Turning now to radio. Favorite disc jockeys, number five, guy named Dick Whittington. And Dick Whittington was not a top 40 guy. He kind of bounced around on fringe stations in Los Angeles like KGIL in the Valley. He was very acerbic and he was very funny. And he was kind of a curmudgeon, but like I said, very unique. When all the other disc jockeys are very up and, you know, they're promoting the station and everything is great. And this guy was kind of a curmudgeon, Dick Whittington. Uh, uh, Team, Loman and Barkley, Al Loman and Roger Barkley, they did mornings and they were kind of like Bob and Ray here in Los Angeles. They improved everything and I worked on the same station as they did KFI and I got a chance to watch them work and it was just amazing to see these two guys riff off of each other. Number three, Robert W. Morgan from KHJ. Number two, the real Don Steele from KHJ, one of the great cooking DJs of all time. And number one, Dan Ingram from WABC New York. This guy had the most unbelievable mind and would come up with such great content, so many funny lines, four hours a day for 20 years. 
Absolutely phenomenal. Also had a great voice. Also had great timing. Dan Ingram on WABC. Favorite sitcom. Number five. Got to go across the pond to Great Britain for a sitcom called Coupling. And it's Friends But Better and More Grown Up. And it was written by Steve Moffat, who also did things like Dracula and Doctor Who and Sherlock. But when he turned his attention to comedy, there were about three or four seasons of this. So there are probably 24, 28 episodes in total. But Coupling is a show that is number five on my list. Number four, The Phil Silver Show, when he was Bilko. You think you've seen a scam artist before? You have never seen anything like this guy. Number three, the Mary Tyler Moore Show from the early 70s because it had such a big influence on me. Love that show. That was the kind of show I wanted to write. I wanted to be a comedy writer on a show like the Mary Tyler Moore Show. So that's number three. And number two is the Dick Van Dyke Show. That was from the 60s, and that had such a profound effect on me. That's why I wanted to be a comedy writer. And that show still holds up, and you can see it. I think it's currently on Hulu. Number one, there were only 39 episodes of this half-hour version of The Honeymooners, starring Jackie Gleason and Art Carney. Every episode is a classic. Favorite TV drama, number five, Mad Men by Matthew Weiner. Number four is a show that was on a few years ago called Justified with Timothy Oliphant, all about these cracker asshole hillbillies in Kentucky. And I'm thinking to myself, why would I ever for a minute watch these idiots? But it was so compelling. The writing was so great. It was from an Elmore Leonard book. And uh, Walton Goggins was spectacular in it. That's number four. Number three is The Fugitive. David Jansen, go back to the 60s. That was a great one. And number two, The Sopranos. It's like everybody else. I was mesmerized by The Sopranos, especially the first season. Number one, my all-time favorite TV drama, Bar None, Breaking Bad. Oh, my God, that is a great show. I like Better Call Saul as well, but, man, Breaking Bad is a show that every single week surprised me. There was never any dip in quality throughout the seasons. Every story turn was fascinating. The character of Walter White and how he evolved was so amazing and all the great characters you know gus and mike and saul goodman uh just everybody it was an amazing show breaking bad now everyone says the wire is great but i haven't seen it because a lot of people say well okay like the first two years are not that good but boy then it really gets good and i'm going i'm not going to sit for 10 hours until the show gets good Favorite sitcom, actor number five, Dick Van Dyke. Number four, David Hyde Pierce. Um, I can't say enough about David Hyde Pierce, and it was an honor to write for him. Number three, Art Carney 
from the Honeymooners. He played Ed Norton. This guy is hysterical. Number two, Phil Silvers, who played Sergeant Bilko. And number one, Jackie Gleason, again from the Honeymooners. He was Ralph Cramden. Favorite sitcom actress, number five, Betty White. No matter what show she's been in from 1911 to today, Betty White is amazing. Great in Golden Girls, great in the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Number four, B. Arthur, also in the Golden Girls. Great dry delivery. She was terrific as Maud. Number three, I got to go with Shelley Long. The character that she played on Cheers, Diane Chambers, was such a difficult character to play because she had to walk such a fine line between being true to that character who was snooty and condescending and looked down her nose at all these people, and yet she had to be vulnerable and lovable and you had to root for her. It would be so easy to hate the character of Diane Chambers and Shelley Long somehow managed to walk that tightrope in a typhoon and pulled off a great, great character. Number two, Audrey Meadows. She played uh, Alice Cramden on The Honeymooners. And Eve Arden, remember I talked about her before with a great delivery? She was on a show called Our Miss Brooks in the 50s, and no one could deliver a dry comic line better or funnier than Eve Arden. Okay, moving along quickly now. Favorite dramatic actor number five, James Gandolfini. Kind of a revelation in The Sopranos. Uh, Number four, Raymond Burr, who played Perry Mason. There was something, I don't know, comforting about Raymond Burr as Perry Mason. The guy was just so smart and so nice it was it was like a pleasure to watch the Perry Mason show. And it's on like nine times a day on one of these MeTV channels. And I still end up watching it from time to time. I mean, it really is like you were a kid eating SpaghettiOs. Peter Falk, number three, as Columbo. Number two, Brian Cranston, Walter White on Breaking Bad. And number one, James Garner. Now, again, when you talk about great light comedians, I don't think there was anyone else in television in his league ever. Rockford Files, great. Maverick, great. He also did some movies, you know, Doris Day and, you know, some of those things. But, boy, in television, James Garner was the man. Now let's move into writers. Favorite sitcom writers of all time. And if it's a team, it's going to count as one. So I've got a couple of teams here. Number five, Gary Marshall and Jerry Belson. They started writing on the Dick Van Dyke show back in the 60s. And Gary, of course, you know became the godfather of ABC comedy with Happy Days and The Odd Couple and Laverne and Shirley and Mork and Mindy, on and on and on, later became a big director, pretty woman, etc. But uh, the two of them as a team, I thought, wrote the best episodes of The Dick Van Dyke Show. The Charles Brothers, number four. 
Can't say enough about them. One of the great comic minds of all time is Glenn Charles. And one of the great story people of all time is Les Charles. Talk about a match made in heaven. It actually was made in Henderson, Nevada. Number three, Jim Brooks and Alan Burns, who created the Mary Tyler Moore Show and really set the trend for smart, sophisticated, multi-camera comedy. Number two, Nat Hyken, who created two great series and then died very young. He created the uh, Phil Silver Show, Sergeant Bilko, and also Car 54, Where Are You? And my favorite all-time comedy writer, this should come as no surprise to anybody who knows me, Larry Gelbart. He created and pretty much wrote by himself the first four seasons of MASH. He also wrote Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Tootsie, Oh God, Mastergate, the list goes on and on. So uh, those are my favorite sitcom writers, favorite TV drama writers. Number five, Graham Yost, and he is the man in charge of Justified. Number four, David Chase, and he is from The Sopranos. Number three, Vince Gilligan from Breaking Bad. Number two, David E. Kelly. And David E. Kelly gets the nod because he has created and written practically every episode of any number of series. He started out on L.A. Law, wrote some of the best legal shows there, then had his own shows like The Practice and Picket Fences, and Ally McBeal, Boston Legal was his. He had so many shows at one time that he had his own studio in Redondo Beach. And he would write practically all of these episodes himself. I just don't know how he would do it. The Practice was his, one of my favorites. And number one is Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, I know, he's maligned by a lot of people. But um, I love his writing, Sports Night and West Wing. Okay, like I said, moving along quickly because we're 37 minutes into this thing already. Let's talk about a couple of restaurants. Remember when we used to go to restaurants? Favorite seafood restaurant. Number five, legal seafood. Love the lobsters in Boston. Number four, Elliott Bay Oyster House in Seattle. Number three, Scoma's in San Francisco. It's on Fisherman's Wharf, but it's not in the touristy section. You have to kind of walk another block and find the pier and kind of walk through an alley, but it is worth it. Number two, Joe's Stone Crabs in Miami. Great. But if you go, since they don't take reservations, get there at 5.30 in the afternoon. It is worth it because otherwise you're going to wait for two hours. And number one is a restaurant that's really kind of funky. It's called the Crab Cooker in Newport Beach. And uh, the food is served on paper plates. Basically, it's like skewers of shrimp and skewers of other fish. And it's barbecued. And like I said, very casual. It was great. Crab cooker. Favorite steak restaurant, steak and or beef restaurants. Number five, Manny Steakhouse in Minneapolis. And the Fauché Tower. 
they have, and I kid you not, it's called the bludgeon of beef, 50 ounces of steak, 5-0 ounces of steak. It's called the bludgeon of beef. Their other steaks are also really good, but maybe you and 12 of your best friends want to go for dinner one night and share a steak and get the bludgeon of beef at Manny's. Gene and Giorgetti's in Chicago, number four. Number three, Grill on the Alley in Los Angeles. Number two, with an asterisk, Peter Luger's. And Peter Luger's is in Brooklyn. I have had some of the greatest steaks of my life at Peter Luger's. But the last time I was there was kind of disappointing, and other people I know have also said, eh, it's not as good as it was, but, you know, out of respect, it's still number two. And number one is a restaurant in L.A. called Larry's Prime Rib. It's been around since the 30s, and what they do is they come around to your table with this giant cart, and they slice the prime rib right there at your table It is unbelievable. Let's get into some sports announcers, shall we? Favorite baseball announcer number five, Marty Brenneman, just retired from the Cincinnati Reds. He was their voice since, I think, 1974 when he replaced Al Michaels. Marty Brenneman, outspoken, knew the game, fun to listen to. He was number five. Number four was my partner, the late Dave Niehaus of the Seattle Mariners, Great presence, great voice, loved the game. There was uh, an infectious quality to Dave. There was a tremendous enthusiasm. And he called just shitbird awful teams for like 25 years as the voice of the Seattle Mariners. And he still had that enthusiasm And he's still beloved in Seattle. And there's no one since Dave Niehaus in Seattle who can even come close. And that includes me. Number three is Al Michaels. And you think of him now as a football announcer, but he was the lead announcer for the Cincinnati Reds. And then he moved on to the San Francisco Giants. And then he was the lead baseball announcer for ABC Sports for years and years, did uh, Game of the Week, did playoff games, did World Series, great baseball announcer. Number two, one of my partners, John Miller. Now he's the voice of the San Francisco Giants. When I worked with him, he was the voice of the Baltimore Orioles. And for years, of course, he did Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. John Miller with an amazingly great voice. I always sound like Minnie Mouse next to him. But calls a great game, very descriptive, also very, very funny. He does impressions. He's got a very wry sense of humor And he's just fun to listen to. And number one is Vin Scully. And what can you say about Vin Scully? I mean, it's like Vin Scully is up here and everybody else is like way down there. Vin Scully is the Mozart of baseball announcing of sportscasting. No one will ever be as good as Vin Scully. Favorite football announcers. Number five, I got to go with Ian Eagle, who is on CBS I think he is a terrific announcer. Number four, Al Michaels, who does Sunday Night Football. And I think of the three current number one 
football guys. He is by far the best. Uh, number three, Dick Enberg, who not only was great on NBC, but for years was the radio voice of the Los Angeles Rams. And if you actually heard his radio calls, you would appreciate him even more. Number two, a gentleman named Chuck Thompson, who was the voice of the Baltimore Colts. Great voice, very elegant. And (laughs) his speech was very elegant. He was amazing. And number one is an announcer that you probably have never heard of unless you're from the San Francisco Bay Area. His name is Bill King. And Bill King, for years, was the radio voice of the Oakland Raiders and later the Los Angeles Raiders. And nobody could call a game with more excitement and had a better vocabulary than Bill King. And the first time I heard Bill King, I was in a bookstore wandering around in Newport Beach And the Oakland Raiders were going to come to Los Angeles the following season, so a radio station in L.A. decided to carry the Oakland Raider games. And I'm standing in this bookstore, and I'm hearing this guy call this game. I stood in the bookstore for an hour. I was like, who is this guy? If you ever get a chance, go on YouTube, look up highlights from Bill King, best football announcer ever. Basketball announcer, number five, Bill King. For years, he did the Golden State Warriors. In those days, he had no analyst, no color guy, no one to do the halftime report. He did the pregame show. He did the whole game. He did the halftime report. Then he did the postgame show all by himself, year after year after year. Number four is a guy named Kevin Calabro. Now he is the TV voice of the Portland Trailblazers. For years, he was the voice of the Seattle Sonics when there were the Seattle Sonics. Does a tremendous job. Number three, Marv Albert. And people in New York are going, why isn't he number one? Well, he's number three, but... I love him. He's got a great sense of humor as well. Number two is a current guy. He is the radio voice of the Boston Celtics, Sean Grandy. This guy calls a basketball game like I've never heard. I mean, usually guys will go, okay, and such and such uh, brings the ball up. And then a right side to Worthy, uh, in low to Magic, back out to da-da-da, pass to the left, da-da-da-da-da-da, and then he shoots. And so it's just like uh, one pass after another after another. What this guy does is after a basket and they're bringing the ball up the court and they're passing the ball around, he'll talk about something else. He'll talk about strategy. He'll talk about pop culture. He'll talk about uh, the coach. He'll talk about injury reports. He'll talk about the league and an overview of what's going on. And then when it's about eight seconds to go before they shoot, bam, he's on it really descriptive, understands the game, understands the strategy. He's really great with his partner, uh, Cedric Maxwell. Uh, I love Sean Grandy. And number one all-time, Chick Hearn, 
the longtime voice of the Los Angeles Lakers. And if you listen to basketball announcers and you're hearing all these terms like slam dunk and dribble drive and any number of other terms, it was Chick who invented them. And let's see, that is it. <laughs> Finally, that is my top five in 25 categories. What are yours? You can email me. Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. That is Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. I would be very curious to hear your choices. And I know in some cases you're going to go, Bridge on the River Kwai, what are you talking about? B. Arthur, how could you like B. Arthur? The Phil Silver Show, what's so funny about that? Yeah, okay. Well, it's my opinion, and it's my podcast. So HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com if you want to write me and uh, and present your favorites. Our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, as always, and to Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, Bruce and Jason Miller. And uh, we will see you again next week. Oh, by the way, please subscribe if you haven't. And please give me a five-star review. That would make me very happy. And so we bid you a fond farewell from my home studio, Deep in Captivity. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Hollywood and the Fine. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.